We have so much to talk about. It's disgusting. Okay, we have the Tigers taking three of four from Cleveland in Cleveland over the weekend. We have Eric Haas getting DFA'd. We have Carson Kelly getting signed. We have Parker Meadows getting called up to the majors all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, August 21st, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. Um, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked on MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All righty. What a weekend for the Detroit Tigers. Full disclosure, this is the second time, actually a lot more than second time, I've tried recording this episode because the last time I tried recording it, it was 50 minutes long, 5-0. And that's just not going to happen. So we're going to try again. It's 1045 on Sunday night. If this one doesn't work, guess what? You're just getting a really long episode. Um, But I'm going to try to compress my thoughts As best I can. I have a really hard time doing that, obviously, which makes me good and bad at this job. Um, So, great weekend. Great weekend for your Detroit Tigers. The Cats are hot. Three of four from Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, The Tigers win a season series against the Cleveland Guardians for the first time since 2015. Uh, I think Bally Sports Detroit said the last time they did it, Alfredo Simone was still on the roster. Big pasta. Great trade, by the way. Still on the roster. The last time the Tigers won a season series against the guards. Um, that's that's huge. And like, I I understand that this division is historically bad. Okay, so I I don't want to get that misconstrued, and I don't want to make this anything more than what it is. But if you end the season second place in the American League Central, that's a win. That's good. I know. I know. I'm a, I'm not asking to throw a parade or hang a banner. And I promise you, I am aware of how bad the AL central is. Okay. I I promise. dude. I promise. Um, and, and I'm not saying that it's like the equivalent of getting second in a normal year. All I'm saying is you play these teams more than the others, even with the nerfed schedule, right? Where it's not as much as it used to be. It's still more than any other team or than any other teams, uh, plural. And we are objectively beating the heck out of the American League Central. We've been crushing the Royals all year, way over 500 against them. We've clinched now a season series victory against the Minnesota Twins and the Cleveland Guardians. That's the first and second place team in your division. The White Sox were around, I think we're three and four. We're like around 500 against the White Sox this year. And we play them a couple of more times still yet this season. So um, it's, it's, it's good. And like, I think that objectively, no matter how much of a laughing stock it is, I think it's funny too. It's at least a message sent to the rest of the division that you better go beat other teams because we're beating you. And that's going to put us in a position to win this division going forward. Not this year, not trying to give any false optimism or false hope, but I think going forward, this is a great statement 
to put out there. We are 10 games over 500 against the American League Central this year. 10. 10. That's a lot. Jason Beck of MLB.com uh, put out a stat where uh, the Tigers are 25 and 15 against the AL Central. Seven teams in baseball have a record of 10 games over 500 against their respective divisions. The Tigers, one of those seven. They're the only one that's not 10 games over 500 overall. Not just 500, 10 games over 500 overall. So again, that's much more of a testament to how awful the American League Central is compared to everybody else. But like, it's not like we're getting crushed against every other division. Our division record against other divisions are not bad, except the American League East. We are getting our teeth kicked in by the AL East, which a lot of teams are. Makes sense. They're really good. I just, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make this anything more than it is, like I said, but I do think that objectively, this is a great building block. And after game 162 in October, if we look back and, and this maintains and we finish the season with a great record against the AL Central, I think we're going to be looking around going, that's a thumbs up, and that gives us some optimism about the future. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, cool. Um, again, we can't control how bad everybody else is, and they can't control how bad we've been for the last eight years. Um, so let's talk about the games themselves, okay? Um, Pitching, I, I, again, I, I we're not going to be able to go like super in-depth on everybody because we simply just like don't have time <laughs> on today's show. Um, but as far as the starting pitching goes this weekend, the one thing that was abundantly clear is that this Guardians offense is brutal. I mean, good. there was a line at one point, their lineup had J-Ram and eight dudes with an OPS under 700. Like it is, it is really really bad, like bad. <laughs> it's not great. Okay. Um, and so the starting pitching for the Tigers took advantage of that. Joey Wentz started, didn't throw his fastball. It's been getting crushed all year. Guess what? I'm going to not throw it. Look at that. Um, he did throw it a few in the few times that he did throw it. I should say, uh, they were just high out of the strike zone, like try to get you to chase pitches. And, uh, they were effective in that role. Now he goes back down to triple a, the cutter is good. The cutter is legitimately a good pitch, but when you don't have a fastball to set it up, it's not a good pitch. So he'll keep working on that. Um, we'll see how sustainable this new pitch mix is, but I think he, he's just going to need to establish and develop a four-seam fastball. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, solid, really just comes down to command. He was great. Uh, he, he was pinpoint command from the third inning on, I would say. His fastball command was great. Um, Well-placed four-seam fastball, best pitch in baseball Poorly plays four-seam fastball, worst pitch in baseball. Uh, and Eduardo Rodriguez kind of epitomizes that. So, um, yeah, really just great. Obviously, the big decision this winter is looming. Uh, and every good start he has makes that question a little bit hairier and hairier. Um, but he he was – and I love seeing – I love a pitcher with some dog in him. And I love seeing him try to lobby to AJ in the dugout and on the mound uh, to stay in. I like that moment between the two of them. Um, but, yeah, he, he was really just all almost all fastballs. Um, but they were located – extremely well. Tarek Skubal, not reinvented the wheel here, just like didn't have a big inning against him. Really kind of put his foot down and uh, had one inning where there was a couple of, you know, bad defense for starters and then some blue pits against him. Just put his foot down and, and gave up one run and that was the end of it. Uh, seven strikeouts, I want to say, in six innings. He, he's great. He's so nasty. And like him as well, like his starts are going to come down to being having a well-located four-seam fastball. And 97-98 on the black is almost impossible to do anything with. And that's what he provided 
in this start. Uh, the slider that he pairs well is, is so great. The changeup is fantastic. He's he's so, so, so nasty. I'm so happy that he is a part of this organization and on this baseball team. Um, and, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. But, really, it's it's didn't have a big inning, had great command. Matt Manning. Um, Matt Manning, I don't have time to really just sit here and just stare off into the distance. But, like, Matt Manning, golly. It, it, like, this is a good outing. Six innings, um, uh, only one earned run, two runs total, five hits, uh, a walk, and then just the two strikeouts, though. And, like, who believes that that's sustainable? Like, that's that's the th- – like, his fastball was good last year, not because it was getting a tons of swings and misses – so like this, the last two starts, he's been throwing the fastball more, but he's not getting swings and misses on anything. An effective fastball is only so effective when you don't have any secondary stuff to play it off of. And he just doesn't have swing and miss stuff. He doesn't get whiffs ever. Um, so I, it, his last two starts have been fine box scores. They've been fine final box scores. And I, and I appreciate and, and like the fact that he's throwing the four seam fastball more. But, like, how sustainable do we think this really is? I don't know. I have massive question marks about him going forward and this winter. Um, We'll get to the bullpen really quickly, then we'll get to the offense. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is the definition of clutch. You can forget planning months in advance because they have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseballs, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. Uh, you can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Tap, two, tap twice on your phone, and you're all set. They're sent directly to your phone, so you never have to go through your email. So download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code Lockdown MLB for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Chicago Cubs where Parker Meadows will be manning the outfield. Be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, you'll be listening to the home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere. A um, few notes about the bullpen, then we'll move on to the offense. One, Jason Foley thought his most recent outing was really good on Saturday. Friday, not so great. Um, the biggest thing to watch for is like he, the the two the sinker, two-seamer, whatever you want to call it, got hit hard, and then he just stopped throwing it. Almost all change-ups and sliders on Saturday, it worked, but like that's weird and very out of character. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, Alex Lang getting a one, two, three, ninth inning save situation gets the save. So needed Feels so good for him for starters. Cause he was really struggling just so mightily there. Um, we'll see what happens the last six months of the year. I'd imagine him and Foley, maybe not committee is not the right word, but I'd imagine they'll be tag teaming kind of the ninth inning. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what, how Lang looks and if he can kind of build off that and not revert back to walking a million people. We'll obviously keep an eye on that situation, but Really, really solid Sunday and a very, very needed Sunday. Tyler Holton continues to be the absolute greatest pitcher of all time. That's awesome. Uh, what a dog. I love that, man. Uh, the only other thing I have with the bullpen is just Jose Cisnero shouldn't be on this baseball team. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, not that uh, I don't hate Jose Cisnero. I actually really like Jose Cisnero a lot. I, I think uh, he is going to fall through the cracks of history and people will forget that he was legitimately the best reliever in this bullpen for maybe two whole years. 
Um, I, I think he's one of the most underrated Tigers of this entire era. Like legitimately, I feel that way. Um, but in August, almost September of 2023, there is zero reason. I can't find one single legitimate reason to why he's on this baseball team. Uh, obviously, he was on the mound when the game got blown on uh, on Friday, the one loss we did have over the weekend. Uh, some people blamed Hinch. I mean, I guess. Uh, one of the hardest things to do is to win twice on the road in a doubleheader. That's like, that very rarely ever happens. And so I, I didn't really lose sleep over it. And then they won the next two. And obviously that made up for it as well. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Vasquez walked a ton of people. They walked the whole staff, every pitcher that pitched, like walked a ton of players in that game. I, I, I really, I didn't blame so his is narrow single-handedly. The offense we'll talk about in a second um, did not do them any favors. But um, yeah, just as a whole, I, even if you're like, he sucks. No one wanted to trade for him. You're an idiot for thinking. He didn't give up a run in all of June. So like, I promised someone called on him for starters. But even if you disagree with me and you're like, no, no, dude, you're stupid. Nobody in their right mind would want him. Um, okay, fine. Still DFA him. Like, I don't care how we ended up here. And, and I don't think that he's like the worst pitcher ever. This isn't, I, I'm just, this should go to somebody else. Someone else should be pitch. Some, someone, some pitcher in Toledo should be getting this opportunity unless he's like coming back next year, which I can't imagine. Uh, I, I don't know why he's pitching ball games still. I, there's zero justification for him to be on the Detroit Tigers right now. In my eyes, I think it's kind of ridiculous to be honest with you. That's it for pitching. Let's go to offense. This team is just hitting a boatload of homers and like uh, it's, it's made up for some shortcomings <laughs> and, and we'll talk about those in a second. But it's also awesome. Um, we'll, we'll talk about individuals later, but they, I think Bally Sports said they had the most home runs on a road trip since 2004. Like that's, that's miraculous. Now it's a very long road trip, but like still amazing. Uh, they got up to a lot of early leads in this series. Torkelson stays on fire. On fire. He's hitting home runs left and right. Had an opposite field one on Sunday. He had... A couple more over the week. I mean, he is just an absolute monster right now. He should have had another one as well. Uh, it hit the railing. What are we doing? What a ridiculous replay. Oh, not conclusive evidence. It like very, I don't know. And maybe I'm biased, but like it blatantly hit the the metal like railing above the yellow line in my eyes. And that's why it bounced the way it did too. Anyway, sorry. I just hit my mic. Um, so Torx been on a tear. Kerry Carpenter, maybe the only person in baseball that can say they've been on more of a tear than Spencer Torgelson. Carp hitting like around 400 in August, had another home run on Sunday, crushing the baseball. Again, like I don't need to reiterate it, but like his development story is one of the most amazing stories in baseball in the last two years. Nonetheless, the Detroit Tigers organization. I'm glad we're giving him the attention he deserves because um, the, the national spotlight is certainly not, and he deserves it. So those two guys stay locked in Riley green, decent weekend, uh, striking out a lot, which is something that he's always going to have like above league average strikeout numbers in my eyes. Uh, not, I don't think he's ever going to like turn around and just have like super low K numbers, but he will be a really, really good hitter. And, uh, and he still had like his knocks in the, over the weekend. Like, it's not like he had a terrible weekend or anything, but striking out a little bit of a higher clip than even I'm comfortable with, like just letting slide. So We'll see what adjustments he makes. He always does. Um, but th just, again, I want to reiterate the fact that we are watching games at the major league level and, and we're, we see the like core of the future is, is so refreshing. 
It's not, oh, we have to tank for draft picks. And then, you know, after that, it's, oh, they're in the minors. We got to wait till they're in the majors. And then they're in the majors and they're not doing well. And it's, oh, we got to wait for them to develop and get their sea legs under. I'm like, we're actually seeing a legitimate three-headed core all do well at the same time. And you're like, that's three. Whether you believe they're like the two, three, four hitter on a playoff team or just like in the lineup together somewhere on a playoff team, we can argue till we're blue in the face. But the objectively, these guys are are turning into impact back bats in front of our eyes. And that is truly awesome. Um, Akil Badu had a phenomenal weekend as well, making that conversation. We'll talk about it a little bit with Parker Meadows, but he has been on fire the last week and a half. And I don't think you can send him down. A little bit of a spoiler. We'll talk about that later. Um, but he stays red hot. Um, and then defensively, you know, I thought three games of this series was actually pretty putrid defense. Uh, I was really frustrated and uh, was, yeah, annoyed by how bad the defense was for like three of these games. And then all of a sudden Sunday happened and like there was great defense from really everybody, but Javi Baez put together one of the greatest single greatest like defensive performances I've ever seen. Like genuinely just three unbelievable defensive plays. Um, you, you know, in the same breath that I think it's ridiculous to call Javi like an all-star caliber player. Cause clearly he's not, it's just as ridiculous to say he brings like zero value to this team. And he's like the worst player ever. Um, he brings immense, he's literally one of the best defenders in baseball at shortstop, which is a premier position. Like, does that make him worth 20 mil? No, I, I'm not trying to justify his contract to you, but saying he brings no value to this team is preposterous. He brings immense value on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and he showed that on Sunday. Okay. Now he had a homer as well. He hit a homer on a fastball uh, on top of that um, until he pulls a fastball. Until he like makes good contact on a fastball that he pulls, a I couldn't tell you the last time he actually did that. Genuinely, I don't remember. If you told me he hadn't done it all season, I'd believe you. Um, until he does that, I'm gonna believe that he's gonna be like one of the worst hitters in all of baseball. That's just where I stand. <laughs> like I, 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 until he proves he can hit a fastball again, I I don't know how you can be like, oh look, he's turning it around. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So still a long way to go for me to hop back on the like, oh, like look out for Javi type of thing. But um, yeah, definitely had a phenomenal game in the field on Sunday that helped to the victory. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Just as a whole, now let's get to the thing that's frustrating me offensively. Um, This team still is so frustrating with runners in scoring position. We'll talk about that right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, anytime, anywhere, as long as the Tigers game is on, you'll be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast. The beautiful voice of Dan Dickerson in your ears. Um, So the one thing, this offense hit a ton of home runs and has been hitting a ton of home runs for like two weeks now. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. Two thumbs up. I'm super pumped about it. Good job. Uh, I, I don't want to get it misconstrued. I'm very, very excited about all the home runs. This team went five for 31 with runners in scoring position this weekend. They hit home runs in every single game 
their run totals were four, one, four, and four. That does not average out to a good offense. And like, I look, I've said it a million times on this show. The one thing that trumps not being able to hit with runners in scoring position is power. And that is what this weekend proved. If you're not going to hit them in, hit it over everybody and, and, and put some runs on the board that way because we can't get any clutch or timely hits. But to act like this team is like, oh my goodness, we're just a juggernaut. We're just a powerhouse. Look, we're hitting a bunch of home runs. We averaged less than four runs a game over the weekend and didn't even put up a five spot. Like, uh, so, and Cleveland has good pitching. And, and again, I'm not trying to like, you know, dump my hand in anybody's Cheerios here, but like, there is still a long ways to go. The bottom of this lineup still has a ton of holes on it um, and, and whatnot. The core, you're seeing it. You're seeing it come together. They are where a majority of the home runs are coming from as well. Two thumbs up. Um, but this offense still has a very long way to go before it's like a good offense. That's all I'm trying to say. And this weekend was a prime example of both ends of the aisle. Hey, I'm excited about the future. Look what the, the big three are doing. Oh, but also it's still 2023 Detroit Tigers. We're still one of the worst offenses in baseball for this exact reason. In the doubleheader, two games, they played 18 innings. They went two for 19 with runners in scoring position. Five for 31 in the series. Just absolutely abysmal. So still need a lot of help offensively, right? These guys are not going to carry us to, to a competitive by themselves need to fill in a lineup around them that's what this offense offense that's what this offseason will be for you're not going to find that in august this problem is probably just going to stay the rest of the year but i i am just not the person i i wish i could um and, and i'm not saying it's like wrong to just like be happy please this this team and this fan base and this city deserves just be as excited as you can be but I can't just like ignore and turn a blind eye to like the things that are still going wrong. I, I don't have it in me. So um, that's just wanted to point that out. But again, still a lot of reasons to be excited. It's just like they were a couple home runs all weekend from like getting shut out in almost every game. That's all. Um, so I think that's everything as far as the games go. Let's go and talk about the off the field stuff. Okay. Great weekend, successful weekend. Um, off the field, on the field, successful weekend. Off the field, well, let's talk about it. Eric Haas gets DFA'd. Um, we'll talk about Haasy here in a second, I guess. Carson Kelly gets signed. Uh, he was DFA'd by the Arizona Diamondbacks. He gets signed to a contract that will put him as the Tigers Major League catcher for the remainder of this season. And that is a team option for 2024. I like the team option aspect. Um you know, I, again, we'll talk about Hasi like individually in a second, but I, I, let's, okay. Get your thoughts together. Jeez. Let's start with Carson Kelly. Um, he has a 580 OPS this year. Uh, it's only in like 30 or 35 games, um, but he has a 580 OPS. He, he, he make the sample size bigger since the start of 2020. That's three seasons. He has an OPS of 669, I believe. Okay. So like you're talking about a, a guy who really has not hit well for like four years. And like he had one season of an OPS over 700 two years ago in 2021, um, has been gotten bitten by the injury bug a lot in his career has unfortunately been rather injury plagued, not his fault. Um, 
I just I want to make this clear. I I I support this move. Uh, this is an objective upgrade, and that's unfortunate because I love Eric Haas, but it is. This is an upgrade over what Haas was providing. That being said, this is not like, oh my goodness, the Tigers 1B or backup catcher of the future just walked in the door. There's, I guess, a chance, but like he's 29 years old, 30 years old, and like, again, hasn't really hit well like consistently for four years. And even that, like, it's one good season. Like, he, he had his 2019 was objectively a really good year. So, um, I, I, this, he's gonna be better than Haas. He, he has been better than Haas, absolutely. But, like, he's been better than Haas because Haas could not hit anything this season, unfortunately. His 580 OPS, Carson Kelly's, is a massive improvement over Eric Haas's. That doesn't mean that Carson Kelly's like the savior of the catcher position. That's all. Um, but I mean, has a almost 10% walk rate in his career. Doesn't strike out very much. Uh, has a really good career numbers against lefties. OPS well over 800 against lefties. Jake Rogers hits better against lefties. So it's not going to be like a pure platoon thing, but when he gets opportunities against them, that could be nice. Um, he's solid. He, he's, he's fine defensively. Uh, he, again, has not hit well this year, has not hit well for a couple of years, to be honest with you. Uh, 2021 was the last time he really consistently hit well. Um, but hopefully he can, A, stay healthy first and foremost, because that's been an issue in his career. And B, go back to what he was doing in 2019 and I guess a little bit in 2021 at the plate. Uh, and I think that that would go a long way. And, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm a Carson Kelly hater either. I, I support this decision. This was a correct trade-off to make. This was right. Good job, front office. Good job, Scott Harris. I agree with this move. It's just, uh, let's see how he plays. If he has a 580 OPS the next six weeks too, he's not going to be on the team next year. Okay, so I think there was a little bit of an overreaction there uh, by some of the fan base. That's all I was trying to highlight. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree and I support with the move because – Eric Haas was not going to be here next year. Carson Kelly, if he plays well, will have will only be here next year because he has earned it. I don't think there was anything Eric Haas could have done the remainder of this season with as much time as left to unfortunately earn a spot next year. You're now bringing in a dude who it could do enough in the last five, six weeks of the season to actually earn a spot next year and not just have it be given to him by default. This free agent class is also weak at catcher as well as every other position. So um, I, I respect going out and, and trying to find an upgrade at the position before the offseason comes around. I think that's a, that's a progressive and intuitive front office. So good job. I support it. Um, we'll, we'll see what Carson Kelly can do in the last six weeks. Um, let's talk Eric Haas for a second. What a great baseball story. And and I, I feel so bad for the dude because this year it just clearly didn't work out, which is really unfortunate. Um, but what a fantastic, fantastic baseball story. I mean, DFA'd by Cleveland at, at what, 27, 26, 27, 28 years old. And I guess it was 26, 27 years old. Picked up by his hometown team. No one really expects anything out of him. They're just like, oh, it's kind of cool. He's from here and now he's playing. Ends up being legitimately one of the best hitters on this team for a two-year stretch was one of the five best hitters on the team in 2021, the surprise good year, and then was legitimately, look it up, the best hitter on the Detroit Tigers in 2022. Now, that's, you know, smart kid, dumb class, whatever. That's one of the worst offenses ever. But when you look at 
league average OPS. So you look at OPS plus. If you have an 100 OPS plus, you're a league average hitter. He was the only person. Kerry Carpenter was over on 100 OPS plus, but he only played in six weeks at the end of the year. Eric Haas was legitimately the only person on the team last year to have an OPS plus over 100. I have nothing but all the respect in the world for Eric Haas. Made a career for his hometown team after getting DFA'd by Cleveland. What, what, that's just, that's the dream. That's what everybody dreams of. That's what every kid in Metro Detroit dreams of, is get an opportunity to play for the Tigers and be good for the Tigers. And he did that, and he lived out his dream. So hats off, raise a glass, cheers, whatever you want to say to Eric Haas. I wish him nothing, truly nothing but the best going forward. I hope he gives an opportunity somewhere else. I hope he turns it around, makes an adjustment, and hits well. I am forever an Eric Haas fan, as I'm sure so many other people around here are. And I, I just, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Legitimately just got to live out his childhood dream. And it, it sucks that it, that this year went the way it did. It really does. But um, I, he, he will not be forgotten in Tiger's lore, I guess is, is my, is my final, my final point. There's a lot of players that have played for this organization that come and go and are forgotten about for at least this generation. It was only a couple of years, but um, I have a feeling that Eric Haas's name is going to be remembered pretty fondly, and it should be remembered pretty fondly throughout this fan base for at least the next few years to come. What a great story. Thank you for the last couple of years, uh, Haasi, and uh, yeah, best of luck wherever you end up. Let's talk about Parker Meadows. He got the call up, baby. It's about time. Oh my goodness. I all I fell to my knees in a Walmart when I heard this. Goodness gravy. I am so thankful this finally happened. And like it always was going to happen. He's the one on the 40-man roster. There was no way they were just like not going to have him come up here at any point this year. But geez, I, I we were talking about this in before the season even started. Like how long would it take for Meadows to come up? Whatever, whatever. The reason why it's happening now is because there's less than 45 games left in the season, so he can maintain his rookie status throughout next season. He can still be a rookie next year, which is important for service time as well as incentives that are in the new CBA. Um, so that's and we talked about that last week uh, as well as to why that they were kind of waiting for some of these guys. Um, we'll see what happens to the rest of them. They have to get added to the 40 man. Meadows did not, which is why this was easy. Uh, as far as Who's the corresponding move is going to be at the time of this recording? It's 1115. Now I don't know that it has not been announced. Um, I don't want to speculate, but also by the time you're listening to this, you will likely know, I guess the early morning crowd won't, or the midnight crowd won't, but uh, the people that listen at lunch or like on their way home from work that you will probably know by then. I'd imagine it'll be announced around, you know, a couple hours before the game starts tonight. So uh, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable speculating, knowing that it's it's going to answer itself. I would my guess right now is Nick Maton, and like it, it was always ridiculous to me that he got called up as quick as he did. He hit like kind of well for like 15 games or something. What was it 10, 12 games or something in Toledo? And they were like, oh yeah, he's got to be fixed. And like obviously that's not how that works. Um, and he hasn't really been any more or less effective since getting called up. So 
I, I kind of expect it to be Maton. Um, that being said, there's still always a chance it's Badu. He's been swinging a much hotter stick lately. I think that I think that that saved him, did enough to, to keep both of them coexisting on the same roster, Meadows and Badu. But um, I, it's certainly not a guarantee. It's very easy to just look at the outfield and go outfield for outfield. What do you want? Um, but I, I think, I, I, th- I mean, you could do Andy Abanez, but anyone who really lose sleep if Andy Abanez got DFA'd, um, I, I mean, like there, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> Zach McKinstry hasn't been too productive since May. Like that, that's a relatively uh, easy conversation there. Like th- there's, there's a, a lot of, of people. Like it's, it's not. This team is, is still what this team is, right? Uh, but I, if I had to guess right now, I, I would say Nick Maton is probably the answer to that question. What to expect out of Parker Meadows? Electric factory. The, the reason why I'm excited for this is not because this dude is like the savior. This is the 10th ranked prospect in our organization, okay? He, he's the lowest ranked of the trio of Keith, Malloy, and, and Meadows, right? Um, he... But I, uh, he, he is an electric factory on the baseball diamond. Um, I'm not expecting him to come in again. Like I don't have like a savior mindset. This guy's not going to come in and, and have like an OPS of a thousand or even of 900. Uh, but if he can come in and we'll talk about kind of what I'm looking for in a second, but if he can come in and, and be really just an exciting player that doesn't look overwhelmed, I think a lot of people are going to take that and run and be really excited about this kid as they should be. As far as what I'm looking for on the field, a, how often he gets in against lefties in the minors. He really struggled against lefties his entire professional career. And then last year started hitting a little bit better against them. And then this year his ready lefty splits are pretty much identical, which is very, very impressive. Nice adjustments that are made. So hats off to him. Um, So we'll see how much of an opportunity Hinch gives him against lefties. We all know about the carpenter thing. I have a hard time believing he's just going to come in and let him just like face a bunch of lefties off rip, but we'll see. Um, I'm very, very excited to see him play defense in the outfield. Another thing I'm expecting, I'm expecting center field. I'll come out and say it. I, I'm fully expecting him to play center field. I, uh, not that, you know, he's going to be exclusively center field. I think that uh, he'll probably get some work in the corners as well. But right now, and this is why I think another reason why I think you can keep Badu on the team is you don't have anyone outside of Riley Green that you're comfortable putting in center field. You have no one. So this gives you someone that you are comfortable putting in center field. That's not Riley Green, which is going to give days off for Green and you know keeping the stress off his legs that he's very clearly still working through that injury a lot easier and you feel a lot more comfortable doing so right with Meadows in the outfield. So uh, I'm looking forward to just seeing him roam Comerica outfield. He's so fast. Like I I've been saying this since he was in high single a, he legitimately might be the fastest player in the organization. I guess with the addition of Veerling, maybe that becomes a little bit more closer of a contest, but like he is so fast and so athletic. You guys are going to absolutely love watching him play. Um, and then at the plate, uh, I'm looking for strikeout rate. Uh, that was a problem really throughout his I- entire professional careers. He strikes out a decent amount. Uh, last year, he cut it down quite a bit, but this year it spiked, not like an alarming amount, but it spiked back up a, a, a decent amount from last season. So want to see how often he's striking out. Uh, want to see if the power translates, uh, something that when he first started, he didn't have any power when he first was in the lower levels of the minors. And then obviously that developed. 
And now he has one of the highest home run totals of any minor leaguer in the entire system. Uh, that's that courtesy of Tigers minor league report. Shout out the boys. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm looking to see if the power translates for sure. Um, but the biggest thing for me, as far as like what would make me happy, I don't need like even really an over a hundred OPS plus the last six weeks of the season. I don't even need him to be like an 800 OPS guy. If he can just not look overwhelmed and put together like after game 162 in October, we're doing season recap stuff. If Parker Meadows has an OPS plus or a WRC plus of over 90, I'm going to be pretty pleased because that's around just below league average hitter with plus on the base paths and presumably plus defense in center and corner outfield. I think that would be a fantastic start to a little first six weeks, a little taste of a major league career. So again, I I don't want the expectations to be like, this dude's going to come up and, and just be like, this is not, we're not calling up Riley green 2.0. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like t- again, borderline top 10 prospect in, in the whole organization, according to MLB pipeline right now. Um, but still a guy who's had a 900 OPS from, uh, in June and July, had a 900 OPS. Uh, not going to hit for too high of an average either. I want to make that abundantly clear. Probably never going to be a 300 hitter. He's hitting like 250 in AAA. That doesn't usually lead to 300 plus hitting at the major league level. Um, but has some pop, draws some walks, can can wreak havoc on the base pass when he puts the ball in play. Very, very excited. Um, but this is where the step is. And we'll end the show on this. This this is it. This is it, big dog. Like, um, I'm not trying to – I using him as an example because he's an easy example, not because I'm trying to pick on him. But, like, Tyler Nevin is, is has crushed the ball in Toledo. He's been, like, one of the Mud Hens' better hitters throughout the entire season. For most of his Tigers tenure this year, his OPS has been in the 400s. Like, and it's not, you know, this, this is where the, the herd is, is thinned. Like, this is not just a Tyler Nevin thing. No disrespect at all. Every organization needs uh, – needs that sort of depth and he and he solidifies that role but like this is where the crowd is thin this is this is it i talk all the time about the jump from double a to triple a you're facing young pitchers versus like oh these dudes run 40 man rosters right i talk about the the jump between the complex league to low single a huge jump huge right you're going from basically like dirt ball on the back fields behind a taco bell to like televised with you know, like crowds, you know, jerseys, <laughs> like you're, you're talking about like real baseball. That's a huge jump. High single A to double A. Once you're in double A, you're like actually in the mix to be on the 40 man roster or the major league roster. That's a huge jump, but do not get it twisted. There is no bigger jump than triple A to the majors. And this is where we learn Cody Clemens. Another example last year, crushed Toledo, got called up, didn't hit very well, went to Philly, had a nice little two-week stretch for a little bit. Found himself getting optioned back down to AAA as well. There's a lot of guys that hit really well in AAA and can't hit major league pitching. This is the ultimate test. And I'm so excited that we get at least a taste of what the answer to that question is going to be with Parker Meadows the last six weeks of this season can't wait he is an absolute electric factory i love watching him play baseball genuinely what like he, he's pretty much been the reason him and and malloy have been, well and now colt keith i guess 
but like like one of these reasons to watch the Mud Hens. Like that that's not a very electric team. Parker Meta is an electric ball player. Power speed combos are are awesome. They're rare. They're they're somewhat of unicorns. And, and he has the ability to be that. So let's see what we got, baby. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Uh, shout out to the everydayers. They do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the series against the Chicago well, the first game rather against the Chicago White Sox. Nope, Chicago Cubs. Goodness gracious, it's time to go to bed. Um, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Yeah. I think that's all I got. We'll be back tomorrow. This this is going to be the episode. I'm at like a little over 40 minutes here. Still longer than I wanted, but a lot more closer to on par than the last two that I've tried. So thanks for bearing with me. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.